All right, welcome back. I have Alan Stevens here. Um, he is the master of reading people and uh, of officially communicating effectively. Um, amazing guy. He's based in uh, Australia and uh, or New Zealand, and uh, he is uh, he's here today to talk about what he feels is the ultimate ROI, uh, which is reading people. And so. Uh, thank you, Alan, for taking time out of your day and uh, sitting down and, and discussing this because I definitely think that through reading people and communicating more effectively with people, it definitely allows you to not only network more effectively, but to also uh, make more effective use of your time and uh, get rid of any miscommunications that can happen during the process. Um, thus, if, as, as you, we had just talked about earlier, uh, the more people that know, like, and trust you, the more business you get, and your network is your net worth. So, um, thanks again. I, I will let you take the floor. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, as you said, I live in Australia, just over the pond from New Zealand. So, um, I've been uh, working in this particular field of being able to read people for quite a long time. I first of all started mainly because of my own background. My father died when I was three. I grew up with my mother and sister and disconnected from most people. I didn't have any male role models around me. And so I grew up pretty much as a loner. And then through my careers, working with our national telephone carrier and uh, being put in at the, uh, in the deep end, being put in charge of people who are all older than me and having to get them on side from being somebody who didn't really communicate much was a little bit of a, uh, a jump for me to uh, move into uh, the area of trying to understand people. And I've um, been married a couple of times and divorced and through that realized that wasn't really reading you know, things too well there either. I've had uh, three sons that uh, ended up raising on my own from the age of four, 11 and 12. So trying to get to understand them. So my whole life has been one of not being able to read people effectively. And the reason I tell people that is now I'm classed as one of the world authorities on reading people. I've worked with people like Disney Films and Gillette for their Star Wars launch, with the Australian Federal Police, the Australian Tax Office, businesses of all sizes, and I also work with uh, parents and school teachers. Because at the end of the day, reading one person is the same as reading everybody else. We're looking for the same indicators that give us different information from each person so that we see everybody as a unique individual. And uh, into around about the uh, early 2000s, I'd use things like psychometric profiling and other systems like that to read people, but realized I needed a more effective system. And I found that uh, face reading was uh, the way to go. I had somebody mention to me one day that I'd ever looked at reading faces. And I'm, my belief is the most important thing I'll ever learn is the next thing I learn after I think I know everything. So I then, uh, uh, went searching and I found Paul Ekman uh, there in California, who was the specialist behind all the micro expressions. And I thought that was great. And then I found a lady who worked with the facial features, a woman by the name of Naomi Tickle, English lady who lives in California as well. And uh, I trained with her and then realized that neither of those uh, uh, areas worked, were working together at the time. Like Paul didn't work with the facial features and Naomi didn't work with the micro expressions. And I thought they complement each other. So I found that uh, by putting them together with body language and then also looking at how we speak to somebody, I created rapid trait profiling, which is now uh, recognized to be unique worldwide. 
and I've set out to uh, create and train my competition. We need more people doing it, but they've got to be doing it right. And so that's a bit of a history for me of uh, where I got started and why, you know, what I'm doing at the moment. No, that, that's awesome. I, I absolutely agree with you that it, it's paramount to, to understand um, and communicate effectively. And I, I actually honor you in a lot of aspects. That's why I have a lot of respect for you as a person, just on the basis that you were able to take accountability for um, the, your part in the, the failure of the marriages and so forth. Because a lot of people, it's usually always, well, I married a psycho or I did this or whatever else. And it's always them. It's never, it, it's always a two party, right? Um, That's it. Yeah. yeah. We, attract, always... we attract our, you know, that that is equal to us. So if we've married a psycho, we've, we've attracted that to us. I always say that when you point at somebody, there's one finger pointing and there's three fingers pointing back. So deal with those three fingers before you worry about that one. And so <laughs> you always look at yourself first. You know, what part did you put in there? Because that, first of all, it humbles you. It takes you out of your ego. It reduces some of the anger you got for the other person. And let's face it, being angry at somebody else is like taking poison and hoping that they will die. It doesn't work. So the sooner you can let that go. And in fact, my... Uh, First wife, when she left, I had the three boys to raise. Of course, I was angry. You know, I thought, you know, she just virtually told me I wasn't good enough to be her husband. And uh, I realized that as my boys were growing up, if they didn't respect their mother, they wouldn't respect other women. And they would go through broken relationships like I'd gone through. So I set out to uh, make a, um, or get a, a relationship with her so that she can then start helping to co-parent the children and be part of that. And then after they've grown up, my oldest boy now is 42, my youngest is 34, and I've got uh, six grandkids, and uh, two to each of the boys. And um, uh, yeah, their mother came to me about six years ago. She needed somewhere to stay for three months, and I had a spare room, and she wanted to stay as a lodger, and I went, as long as it's just that. Well, she moved out three and a half years later. And people go, why could you do that? Because I had decided a long time ago, I had to build a relationship with her for the, kid, the boy's sake. At the same time, that got me over all of my crap that I was hanging on to. And then I looked at it and said, well, I can still be angry with her or I can look at what she brought into the marriage. You know, we both brought something in and what we created together were three boys I love and respect. And if I, and now who are young, you know, definitely men on their own right. And so by that decision, you can change anything in the moment. Well, I've learned two different things is one that you, the moment you um, decide, like you said in that it's hating somebody is just like taking poison and then hoping that they all suffer um, mm. when all you're doing is making yourself suffer. That's it. Um, so two, it's, it's that through um, your, your spouse and that um, or respecting them, or if you hate on your ex-spouse, you are hating part of your kids. Um, they are equal part you just as much as they are equal part them. And it's so saddening um, to see kids that grew up in a house where the parents absolutely hate each other and in a sense hate their kids. It's That's very it. sad. Um, it. and, and it's very um, upsetting in that to, to see the neglect that, they, that, that happens to these, these kids as a result. Um, and, and that also is the same, I think the same reason that it's so important to love ourselves 
Um, mm. Because if we hate ourselves and we hate all aspects of ourselves, we're going to also hate our kids. Um, That's it. There's a couple of aspects. So if you look at the fact that uh, you're complaining about your spouse when you, and your kids are hearing it, you're hating that half of them, as you've just said, that half of them will end up hating you. The parent who bags the other partner uh, around the kids, the kids will end up loathing at some point. They will lose respect for them and things will start to fall, fall away. At the same time, it's not so much just a matter of loving yourself because people go, yeah, I've got to love myself, but they don't know how to do it. You need to understand yourself first. Once you've got that understanding, then you can uh, love yourself. And once yeah. you, and what, what I do is I teach people, first of all, how to under, understand themselves, then know how to read somebody else and then change the way that they like to be spoken to to match the way the other person needs to be spoken to. And so what I'm looking at is, well, I've got every trait we have has an upside and it has a downside. Now, I've got aesthetic appreciation. Looking at you on the camera here, I can see that you have aesthetic appreciation. Now, we've, we'll come across as laid back, but when we're focused on something, we've got something that we're a bit stressed and we want to work it out, leave us alone. We will withdraw to our cave. So our partner might see us as being somewhat, you know, we're withdrawing. What's going on? Why are you withdrawing? Is it anything to do with me? And the more that we're asked what's going on, the more we withdraw. And so every trait will have an upside and a downside. And I've got a couple of traits which are doozies on the downside. And I go, now I know why I've had so many broken relationships. But the fact that I understand my traits, now I can laugh at myself. And I, can, I know when I start to feel in a certain way, oh, that's that trait starting to raise its ugly head. And I can do something about it. If you don't understand yourself, your personality will control you. If you do understand yourself, then you can take dominion over your own personality traits. You recognize them when they're coming up and you can control them. So change your environment, you change the situation. Yeah, no, you touched excellently on, um, on that, uh, that point where it is so important to understand um, and accept everything within yourself. Um, and, and it's very hard to do because there's some things within yourself that you don't like, and there's some things that you might like. Um, but if you take accountability and be aware of all of those things, all your, your greatness, as well as your flaws, and you learn that both your flaws, as well as those tragedies and the things that have happened to you, um, those can be almost the, the most valuable assets. The more horrific something can be, the more of an asset it can be in your life. Um, it. It's you that chooses whether that um, piece of iron and that is going to be an anchor that drags you under the water and drowns you, or if it's going to be a, a wrench that you forge to, to build a home or skyscrapers or something like that. Yeah, exactly and right. a matter of it, choice. It, what was that? It's a matter of choice. Everything that happens to us. See, you may not like the things that have happened to you in the past, but if you've learned from them, they will make you the person who you are today. So whatever you've, you've decided to, how you've decided to respond to everything in the past has made you who you are. If you don't like who you are, then look at the things that are happening around you and make different choices. Mm -hmm. Change it and uh, it'll change. See, I've, I don't uh, have uh, problems in relationships anymore. I don't have any angst towards anybody in the past because I look in the mirror and I like who I see. I like the things that I'm doing and I respect that. And so if therefore, 
I've looked at all the things in the past. Yeah, I would have wished that they hadn't happened at the time, but if they hadn't happened, I wouldn't be who I am. And thank you for that happening because I do like who I am. And that's well, all. It's part thing. about taking accountability for all of your own actions, right? Yeah. And then it, yeah. to change yourself, it just starts off with that one minute thing saying, you know what? Like if you want to exercise or get into shape, you don't just magically go to the gym full time and that because you're going to hate life. Um, what you do is you ramp it up and you just say, you know what, I'm going to at least do five minutes a day or 10 mm. minutes a day. And then it becomes like an hour a day. And then what you can do from there is like, you know what, now I'm going to eat a little bit healthier, uh, a little bit mm. peace and that it's shades of gray. And that it's the same way that you, your life can deteriorate is the same way that you can build it. Um, it's just little shades of gray and that is swapping a negative habit for a good habit. So that's excellent. Um, and, and where it ties into, I think, the communication and reading is, is you're aware of yourself and what some of those things that have done. You can then um, understand the pains or choices of other people and also be less judgmental of them or their choices mm -hmm. because you understand that everybody's flawed. Everybody is in the same thing that mm -hmm. we as individuals are just cultivations of our own experiences. And as we understand that, that they are just a series of choices and reactions, and we are just a culmination of choices and reactions. And we are just two um, symbiotic individuals trying to get through this life and um, either progress or um, degrade ourselves <laughs> or disintegrate ourselves, if you will. Um, and that's why I always choose, I was like, okay, are you somebody that wants to build and progress where they are in life? Or are you somebody that is um, degrading themselves? Because somebody that is hoping typically is in a degenerative state. Um, they just don't know necessarily another option. But if I see that they're open to the option, then I know at least where they want to go. And that's more important to me, not necessarily their exact position at that moment. Um, so kind of going back to, to the communication, how are you reading people? What, what is that? Or why did you choose that is, is your why, your mission calling in, that, in life? And why is that so important to you? Well, um, as I said, you know, for all the things that happened in my past, it was all about being able to connect with other people more effectively so I could improve my life. And you'll find it with any career that we go into. You'll find most counsellors or coaches, their life has been screwed up at some point and they've yeah, they wanted then to help other people as well. Some are still trying to work through their own stuff or they're trying to coach others, which I wish they'd actually work through their stuff and then go and coach others. They'd be raised a level up. But uh, I, that was one of the main reasons I needed it. And I was also then, once I started getting into counselling and um, I've worked in just about every industry you can think of. I've been a massage therapist, aromatherapist, worked with Reiki and other uh, such things. I've um, worked with... Uh, uh, Color therapy and sound therapy. I introduced those into the Singapore hospital for the kids with ADHD. Everything that I'm building relationships that I never had in my life. So that's why I got my enjoyment. So once I started reading people and working with them, I was looking after and feeding my energy as well, because while they were getting results, I was feeling that I was making a difference. I was actually contributing, which I'd never done as a youth. And so that's the thing that drove me right now I've, with the, uh, the, the profiling side of things, the facial features, I use those most. And by the way, if anyone's, people listening to this might go, this sounds a little bit woo-woo. But if you think about it, you mentioned exercise and going to the gym before. If you lift weights, you're going to build muscles. 
we also know, and this is why the microexpressions work, everything we feel inside, we express outwardly. So if you put those two things together and you're concentrating really deeply, you're focusing on things. As you'll see in my face here, I'm pulling expressions. And while I'm you know, thinking and concentrating, I keep doing that over and over again because my personality will mean that I'll operate in a certain way, thinking and processing. I'm going to ridge, build ridges and crevices on the face which give away my personality. It's a roadmap to how I like to think and process. It's the same way that we identify somebody as angry or happy or sad or anything. And we can always assume sometimes that somebody's upset when they're, they're just deep in thought. Um, That's it. They have the resting face. But that also means that if they have that resting face, typically they have a lot of sorrow or something in their life, to your, your point. And that's why those muscles are so developed. That's it. So if you've got the, you frown a lot, the corner of the mouth is going to turn down. Yeah. If there's no lines out, you know, by the way, ladies, if you've got those little lines out of the corner of your eyes, don't get rid of them. That's beauty that goes all the way at the bone. You don't have those lines unless you've been happy. If I walk into a room and the woman's got no lines up here, and especially if a mouth is turned down, I'm not going to go and waste my any time talking to her because it's going to be a hard conversation. It's not going to be a happy person. But if the uh, there's no lines up here, but the mouth is slightly turned up, then I've got to then understand that might have been a bit of Botox or cosmetic surgery going on around the eyes here. But those lines are beautiful. Your face doesn't move at all. How do you yeah, read those people? Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Is like when their whole face just goes like this and does not <laughs> Yeah, well, and this is the thing I always ask, well, why did you feel that you needed that? The most beautiful women that I've seen have lines because those lines show their, their personality. And when you put it together with the expressions that they have as well, now you've got their character. So your facial features give me your personality. I therefore know how you like to think and process. Like I know that you like to analyse things, have all the information, but once you've got the information, it's just give me the best way to do it and get out of the way and let me get it done. So I know looking at you that you like to get into the action as I'm now I'm getting a smile back from you, which indicates, yes, I've read you right. And so this is why I use facial features. To tell me how you like to think and process, then speak to you in the way that you need to be spoken to, and then look for the micro expressions and body language that come back to tell me whether I've read you right. Is there something emotionally going on? And while you're talking to me, are you telling me the truth? But I don't use the micro expressions like a lot of people do as a lie detector. I use it as a truth seeker. I want to know what's going on. Everybody lies. We go to a party, we're going to tell stories, we're going to embellish things. We all lie, but it's the intent behind the lie. If somebody's trying to rip somebody off, then I, I'll go looking for that. If they're just trying to you know, tell a joke, make a um, you know, fit into a, a group, for instance, hey, that's fine. We all do it. That's just part of being human, wanting to be connected. But the facial features I found were the most important because that gave me the foundation at the bottom. In fact, uh, in um, uh, Sandy, in San, uh, was it uh, San Quentin? Before they closed it, they were using uh, the the facial features with the the um, the inmates there, not so much to try and rehabilitate them. But if you understand the facial features, you know how somebody likes to think and process. You can then work out what hobbies, what sports and what careers will suit them. And so with the inmates, if they were then able to help them find the right careers for when they went out, if they're happy in their work, they're less likely to reoffend. This is a whole thing. Yeah. If I can understand someone's personality, 
I can show them how to raise their children more effectively. I can so that the children go up instead of them trying to be sculptors or carpenters turning their kids into something, they become gardeners where they nurture their children to be the best version of themselves, guiding them through into the right hobbies and sports and then into the right career. So that when they do their final subjects at school, they get the subjects that match the career that they want to go into. Not the career that somebody said, oh, you should be an accountant because you'll make lots of money. Well, you, they go into that career, they'll have to make lots of money because if they're not happy, they're going to be miserable and they're going to have a lot of medical bills for their mental health issues. If they're not happy, they go home and they've got fights and arguments with their spouse and that's where domestic violence comes from. If they're happy at work, they're more than likely to be happy at home. If they're happy at home, their spouse is happy. If their spouse is happy as well, their children are happy. This is why I got into it because, and I created a thing called the Campfire Project, which is a group on Facebook for men originally to come in to give them permission to give themselves permission to tell their stories. Brought them into panel discussions, discussing all sorts of issues, helping uh, men to understand, like bringing boys into man manhood, but also helping men to become a better man, not the man, but become a man. The man is always in competition with everybody else. Therefore, this is why we have a lot of problems in the world, both men and women trying to be the man and woman. Or you want to be a man and woman, you become the best version of yourself and who you want around you, other people who are doing the, the same thing. And so the campfire project was for the men, but I've had women in there from day one. So they could hear how men can speak when they, the men feel safe to do so. And in two and a half years now, we've had over 400 hours of one-on-one um, uh, -on -one interviews and panel discussions. And not once has any man been rude to any woman. What we actually did was, don't care about your culture. I don't care about your, um, uh, your uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, gender. I don't care about your religion or anything else. You only have to have one thing when you come to the Campfire Project, and that is respect for the other people. You don't agree with some, what somebody says, please explain to me what you, why you think that way, because so I can understand you. And they're the conversations we're having. So from day one, no bigotry, no sexism, no racism, all because it was a matter, and everything, as I said, everything's a matter of choice. When you decide that you're going to behave in a certain way and not another way, if you decide you don't want to be a bigot, you don't want to be a racist, you don't want to be a sexist or anything else, then you've eradicated it within you. And the only people you can eradicate it in is within our, ourselves. So instead of having groups that are looking at each other saying, you're the problem, no, you're the problem. I created hashtag we together. So we're standing shoulder to shoulder looking at the problem together. If we're not looking at each other as a problem, then we can solve things. Well, I think that goes to your point and, and what we were talking about earlier, why self-accountability is so it's so important um, it. because when you um, typically, so anytime that somebody is, and I didn't understand this for the longest time and that until I really started thinking about it, anytime somebody is sexist or racist or anything else, what it is, is not necessarily the other people that, that is the problem in that incidence. What it is, is somebody that is trying to blame other people That's and it. victimize themselves or something that happens, some turmoil, some pain or strife in their life that they can't otherwise justify. Mm -hmm. And so instead of understanding that, you know what, bad things happen, um, even to good people, and that there's sometimes these false ideologies that we tie it. Um, so if I'm not making enough money, oh, it's because, you know, some Hispanics came across the border and took my job. 
or whatever else instead of, hey, you're not making the effort, you're not connecting with the right people. Instead of seeing obstacles or, or problems in that, it's, okay, this is the obstacle. How do I overcome that? And once you transition that mindset, instead of I'm the victim, instead I'm now the enabler, um, and it goes both ways, right? You can think the same thing. Um, if somebody cuts off my arm, I can choose to be again the victim and say, poor pity me and I hate life and everything else. And I have every right to do so in that aspect, but that doesn't help anybody um, or ruin anybody else's life besides mine. Um, but if I take that, that experience and that trauma and take full accountability and say, you know what, I can choose to have a pity party here, or I can make something out of myself. Um, those are the people that you'll find win some special Olympics. Um, they go on to make massive impact, to be great speakers, impact the lives of millions of people because they've taken full accountability for what they can do in their life. And then they can communicate effectively using tools like you're providing now, which is it's so essential. Yeah, well, we're all uh, emotional beings. That's the first thing that we need to be able to uh, recognize and understand that that's okay. We have, it's okay and we have a right to feel the way that we feel. So we're not saying to everybody, when anything happens to you, you know, change it. What we're saying is, yes, you're going to feel it. That's okay, but how long you hang on to it will depend on where things go into the future. When you focus on the negative stuff, what you do is you attract more negative stuff. It's like we take in about 2 million bits of information every second, then we process 134 bits, tiny fraction of it. So if we're only focusing on all the, um, how many people will say to you that, you know, uh, you know opportunities come along once a lifetime. They're, they're like buses. They come along across, they come past they're down the street every few minutes. And while you're looking at uh, the past, the, the, plot, the thing that's gone by that you've missed, you're missing other opportunities. So if you're looking for the negative stuff, you're not going to see the positive. And that's our know, first reality. Everything is connected. And so if we understand that, we go, okay, well, now I need to move forward. How can I do that? It can be hard to do it on your own, especially when you've been under a lot of pressure. Find somebody who understands, not somebody who tries to fix you, but somebody who will hold your space first of all and listen to you. The biggest problem with a lot of coaches today is they say it's an average of about 19 seconds from the time that somebody starts to uh, tell their story and uh, it'll be 19 seconds before a coach will jump in or just anybody in particular will jump in and try and fix their problem for them. And the reason for that is the person that's listening to you doesn't want to feel it themselves. So they're trying to fix it for their sake, not for yours. And so it's a matter of find the right people who will hold that space, ask you a few questions, and when you answer those questions, probably ask you a few more. And along the way, you then come to your own answers. And once you come to your own answers, you've got more power over it. You understand that then you take, you take responsibility for it. But yeah, it is a, mature, it's something you've got to practice. Yeah, so the more mature I've gotten, the more I've, I've learned to appreciate um, when somebody, like you might think that them just asking questions is them not knowing it. But if you can ask questions effectively because you understand it, what you can do is guide the conversation. It's the same thing with sales or trying to help somebody fix things. Hmm. Um, it's that consultative approach. It's like, okay, what is it? Why is this important to you? Why do you want to fix this issue? Why is it so, um, so 
like why is this so important what does that mean if you're able to fix your relationship at home with your spouse what does that mean if you can communicate more effectively with the people at work um if you can be more happy etc and then they truly get to that why because we've walled up a lot of those reasons because we don't like to feel that pain either <laughs> to your earlier point um, so what would you advise to those people that have no idea where to start? They say, okay, great. You know what? I understand that there's a lot of value here. Um, I understand the need of why I need to do this. What, um, what would you say to those people? Well, the first thing is for those that are working through uh, stresses in their life, I would say come and join the Campfire Project to start with. It costs nothing. It's a a closed group on Facebook and it's only closed so that we can keep the respect uh, in the uh, group so people treat each other the right way. Come in and listen and just uh, listen to the one-on-ones and other things. Anybody who comes in can put their hand up and uh, uh, tell their story. But sit there at first and make sure you're comfortable. Look at the, listen to the other uh, one-on-ones that are in there and find out uh, what they've been talking about because quite often you'll get answers to a lot of your own issues by listening to other people's stories and as I say there's over 400 hours of conversations in there so there's a lot of uh, stories that have been spoken and we've covered all sorts of uh, subjects you know nothing's off the table when we have a panel discussion then from there the next thing is well understand yourself this is where by uh, being able to understand some of your traits you'll know why you do the things that you do why your buttons get pushed and then from there, use that same information to read other people and then know how to change the way you like to be spoken to to match the way that they want to be spoken to, which will then improve the relationships. Now, I've used that with people who, when I've walked in, there's already been a raging argument happening. And by the time I've walked in and uh, sat down within a few minutes, by the time I walk out, everybody's friends again, simply because I'm able to then talk to both or many people are in the room, talk to each one of them the way that they need to be spoken to and explain what's going on. So in the questions I ask during those conversations, all of a sudden they're understanding each other. And they... and because you're making an excellent know that I've done anything. <laughs> I mean, the most influential people in life um, or all throughout history are mediators. Um, mm. And that's, that's really, I mean, whether it's Gandhi, um, Christ, or... Um, Muhammad or any of those influential figures, if you understand why they were so important, why people loved and appreciated or sometimes even hated on some aspects, um, is just because they were that mediator and they were able to do something that not many people can't mm. through communicating effectively, through uh, loving and cherishing one each individual as a person. So that's awesome. So thank you so much for again providing so many gold nuggets here um what is uh is there any final thoughts that you have right now and then um if you want to just tell people where uh, i know you you said the group um but if there's any specific page you would like them to go to or resources and that um i'll i'll let you that tone as well at this point okay well the best place to go if you want to first of all contact me is my website which is my name it's alanstevens.com.au for Australia. So A-L-A-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S.com.au. You can contact me in there. And if you, uh, uh, they used to call me the celebrity profile because I was doing a lot of profiling of uh, royalty and sporting stars and everything and politicians. 
But uh, if you look for the celebrity profile or if you look for Alan Stevens on Facebook, you'll find my Facebook page. And then from there, you'll be able to find the Campfire Project. But what I will give you uh, are the links, uh, Cameron, to uh, put into uh, the show notes. But I'll also give you a free course that people can sign up for. As I said, it won't cost them anything. It takes about 28 minutes where they'll pick up a few traits and how to read themselves and other people. And I'll give you that link. And uh, anybody wants to talk to me after that, I'm happy to have a chat with them. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, again, appreciate you and uh, all the gold nuggets that you've been able to drop during this. I, I think the people will find a ton of value. Um, even though this is one of the shorter times, I did want to be respectful of this because I, I do know that you have other meetings here. So again, thank you. Thank you for blessing and providing so much value in this space. And um, I look forward to having you on again, especially in the future. And that, uh, more time. So thank you very much.